I just wanted to share a scripture with you real quick. I had a testimony in church the other night from my worship leader. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5:17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Do you believe that? Well, this young man told me that he has a cousin who has severe autism. And she was so mean. She would pinch people. She would cuss them. And she was just terrible to be around. He said, but one day she went to church with her mom. And when the preacher offered salvation she got she started trying to get up and her mother kept trying to make her sit down <laughs> we never know <laughs> but he and the preacher said no let her come let her come and she came down front and gave her life to Christ and Casey told me he said she is truly a completely different person it was so astounding that her daddy gave his life to Christ the next week because he saw such a change in her. Amen. Never give up on people. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you're back. You know, you didn't think I beat you up too bad this morning. Okie dokie. We're going to pick up where we left off. We left off with James talking about Faith without works is dead. And I said, that's not for you. Because James was written to who? Yeah. To the Jews. He said it up front, didn't he? Yeah. Chapter 1, verse 1 said, to the 12 tribes scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, and all that. But I want to show you something Jesus said. What Jesus said, Jesus said in John 6, 29. Turn there, please. John 6, 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he, sent, whom he has sent. That's the work of God for you. Believe. Believe. See, when Jesus says things, you have to decide if he, is he talking specifically to the Jews or can I take this too? If it's promissory, it's for you. If it's about faith, it's for you. Okay? Let's turn to James 2. James 2, verse 20. Look at something else tonight. Get your, get your pen and paper ready. The reason this is important is because you want to dwell in a secret place. You've got to know what God's saying to you. You think he's saying, always, if he's, he's saying, always, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, that's not for you. That's in James. You don't have to draw near to God. He lives inside you. How, how close you want him. How close do you want him? He lives inside you. If you're thinking about drawing near to God, he's going he's to draw near to you. You don't, you don't think he's inside you. You think he's out there someplace. Where, where is he? Is he inside you or out there someplace? He's in me. Where did you learn that? From James or Paul? We learned that from Paul. You see that? See the difference in the revelation they had? James is the word of God. I'm not saying it's not. It's the word of God, but it's for the Jews only. And there's something you can learn from it. Most of it, most of it, it works for us. But there's some things that, that, that don't work for us because they counter, run contrary to what Paul taught us. 
Paul said he got his revelation straight from Jesus for us. This is why Jesus did not pick Peter, James, and John to go to the Gentiles because they weren't trained to go to the Gentiles. You understand this? You understand this? Okay. Let's read, let's read James 2.20. But wilt thou know, old man? Uh, who wants to read for me? Let me say my voice. Am I there? There we go. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? What? What? Paul told us Abraham was justified in chapter 15. This happened in chapter 22 of Genesis. What's he talking about? Read on. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Read on. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Paul never connects these two, two, two verses at all. But James does, because his audience is about the Jews. The Jew must keep the law and have faith in Jesus, be right with God. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. This is not your law. It was a Jew's law. And he says here that uh, Abraham was justified when he offered up Isaac. Chapter 22 of of Genesis. Listen to this. Paul said in in Romans that that Abraham is the father of the Gentiles and of the Jew alike. Where's that scripture, Eric? That he might be the father of the Gentiles and the Jews alike. He's the father of both of us. Abraham is. Yes. Hear me. You're justified by faith alone. Because Abraham was justified by faith alone. Made righteous by faith alone. In chapter 15. He's the father of the Jews because he was made righteous by his works and, and, and his faith. In chapter 22. What, what significant thing happened between 15 and 22? Chapter 17, where he got circumcised. Oh, so God treated him like he was Gentile and Jew, because he was. That's how we all get into the family of God. Mm -hmm. Amen. You understand this? Yeah. Okay, enough said. Genesis 15, Abraham was made righteous. Genesis 17, Abraham was circumcised. Genesis 22, he sacrificed Isaac. And James said that was when he was justified. He was, as a, as a covenant man, he was justified. But as a Gentile, he was made, made righteous by faith alone. You got that? Okay. See, the picture is pretty clear. A lot of ignorance has come out of one verse of Scripture, though. A, lot, a whole lot of ignorance. I've heard it quoted my whole life by preachers. I heard them say things like, I know some of you guys don't preach the Old Testament. You don't preach the law like you should, because you're afraid of, afraid of preaching against sin. But I preach against sin all the time. They, I've heard, you ever heard them say that? Oh, yeah. They say, and they always say, I preach a whole counsel of God. The, the idiots don't know they're, they're, they're quoting Paul. Read Acts 20, 20, 27. Acts 20, 27. Read that. Paul says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Okay. 
What Paul is saying here, not, I, I preach to you Leviticus, he's not saying that. He's saying, and what I preach is the whole counsel of God to you. He said it to the Gentiles. He said it to the Ephesians, by the way. He quote Paul and twist it to make it mean something that doesn't mean at all. You hear me? Paul's counsel is the whole counsel of God for you. Paul's counsel is the whole counsel of God for you. Now, it's not all, it's not all the promises. You've got lots of promises you can have. But, 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 but we learn that from Paul too. Never, one thing you've got to get straight to, got to get straight to this thing about the kingdom and the family. I'd far rather be in God's family than in his kingdom. I'd far rather be in his family than in his kingdom. I'd far rather be in his family than in his kingdom. Paul is not ever talking about us being subjects. He never talks about us being disciples. He never even uses the word disciple in any of his writing. He calls us sons. Mm. My sons are not my disciples. They're my sons. That's why they're here. Disciples, I got some disciples every place, but they're not here. Judas was the, was the disciple, wasn't he? <laughs> Judas was the disciple. My sons don't act like Judas. Sons follow you around. Let that soak in a little bit. There's a difference in being a son and being a disciple. Yeah. If I'd rather be a disciple, rather be a son any day than, than a citizen or a subject or a disciple. Mm-hmm. I'm a son, full-grown son of a God, part of God's family. Yeah. If you're in God's family, you, you're at the top of the list. Come on. You're, in the, you're in the divine order that way. Mm-hmm. Something about you is divine. I knew it when I saw you. Let me help you with emphasis. I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about the kingdom. I'm not saying that at all, that we shouldn't talk about the kingdom. But I want to give you some emphasis, okay? Paul never used the phrase gospel of the kingdom even one time. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, didn't he? Paul never one time ever used that phrase at all. Did you know that? Never used that phrase ever. In fact, it's not anywhere in in the New Testament except in the gospels. Gospel of the kingdom... It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke only. Did you know that? Who do you think you are, Gentile preacher? Like you, you know more than Paul, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, but you don't, but you don't find Paul doing that. What's the matter? You lost your mind? Yeah, you lost your mind. You're just stupid. Never had one. Because you, you don't know more than Paul knew. He did not translate what Jesus, Jesus taught him into the gospel of the kingdom. He translated it into the gospel of salvation. Got me? Yeah. Okay, I'm right. I'm right. I don't care if you didn't believe me or not. I'm still right. <laughs> let me show you how. Let me give you a word count for kingdom. It's 54 times in Matthew, 19 times in Luke. Just this the word kingdom. 19 times in Mark, 43 times in Luke, three times in John, three times in the Gospel of John, eight times in Acts, once in Romans, five times in First Corinthians. None in Second Corinthians. Is it that, is it that important that there's none in, none in Second Corinthians? One time in Galatians, one time in Ephesians, none in the Philippians, two times in Colossians, once in First Thessalonians, once in Second Thessalonians. No, not one time in Timothy, First Timothy, two times in Second Timothy, but they're both future events. Didn't talk to Titus about it, didn't talk to Philemon about it. It's two times in Hebrews, one time in James, none in First Peter. One in Second Peter, none in First, Second, Third John, none in Jude, five times in Revelation. That's the kingdom. The word kingdom is in 
You saw, you saw the, how many times it, 10 books of the New Testament, there are 27 books in the New Testament, 10 books of the New Testament say nothing of the kingdom at all. 10 out of 27 don't even use the word kingdom at, at all. Is this an emphasis? Say no. Say no, it's not an emphasis. Why, why, why do you hear so much about it? Because of ignorance of the word of God. You can teach the kingdom, you should teach the kingdom, you should know something about the kingdom to come. But too much emphasis on the kingdom makes you citizens and not sons. Hear me. I'm, I'm touching your heart now. Another three use kingdom twice. There are only 27 books in the New Testament. None in, no, no, no reference to the kingdom in the pastoral epistles, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. None. Except for two references in 2nd Timothy, both talking about the future kingdom. Paul speaking of his death when he really used those references. No present kingdom teaching to the pastors, including Philemon. Philemon is a pastor of the Colossian church, for your information. Is this really an emphasis of the new covenant? I say no. Even, even the gospel of John uses the word kingdom only three times. He never, and never, he, and never, never the phrase gospel of the kingdom. Never. Why? Because that was a message to the Jews only. It was a message to the Jews only. Hear me. It was a Jew's message. Not yours. Let us contrast that with the word grace. Oh, buckle yourself up. <laughs> grace is not in Matthew at all. Not in Mark at all. Grace is not in Matthew or Mark at all. Did you know that? Doesn't even appear in there. One time in Luke, it said Jesus grew in grace. Three times in John. Ten times in Acts, twenty times in Romans, eight, six times in First Corinthians, thirteen times in Second Corinthians, seven times in Galatians, twelve times in Ephesians, three times in Philippians, five times in Colossians, two times in First Thessalonians, Thessalonians, four times in Second Thessalonians, two times in First Timothy, four times in Second Timothy, four times in Titus, two times in Philemon. Philemon is just one page. It says grace two times, Hebrews seven times, James even has it two times. First Peter has it eight times. Do you see my point? Yeah. Grace is the message for today. Yeah. Grace and faith. Grace and faith. Grace and faith. Everything should be grace and faith. Come on. Notice Paul does not write one letter without saying the word grace. Every, every letter Paul wrote, grace is in it. He wrote several that didn't have a kingdom in it at all. What's the emphasis? What's the emphasis? See? The kingdom was written under the tabernacle of Moses. The kingdom gospel was under the tabernacle of Moses. And it's going to be again under the temple of Solomon. It's coming again. I'm going to show you this a little bit later. What should our emphasis be? Grace and faith. All the kingdom preachers I've ever known always overlook or disdain Israel. Overlook the necessity of Israel being alive today. They don't think that it means anything. A lot of them don't. They say, they say silly things about Israel. Let me tell you something about Israel. Oh, uh, hey, I'm, I'm hot now. <laughs> tell you something about Israel. When, when, did, when was this nation born? When was Israel born again? 1948. 
you look in the Jewish virtual library and ask them when Abraham was born, they say from, from, from creation, 1948, 1948 years from creation. Abraham was born, 1948, from creation. Israel was reborn in 1948. Tell me that doesn't make, make a difference. Tell me there's nothing to that. Paul did not write them off like so many do. Neither, neither should we. How do I know which parts are for me? You might ask. I know somebody thinking, well, he's saying it's not for me. How do I know what part of James is mine? It's easy. It's, it's real easy. What part, of, what part of the Gospels is mine? It's real easy. I'm going to show you. If it does not, well, I, I, I'll start with this. 2 Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20. Turn there. Pastor Burt, would you read 2 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20? For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God all in the him, promises of God in on. him are yea and in him amen. When you get in Jesus, you get all the promises. They're all yours. The promises become yours when you get in Christ. You can have anything in the Bible. Even the promises that are in Leviticus are yours. Promises in Exodus are yours. Every, every promise in the Bible is yours in Christ. That's good news right there, if you yeah. ask me. Amen. But here's the second thing you need to know. If it contradicts, if you read something that contradicts Paul's doctrine in any way, you know it's not for you. Don't, we're not going to say it's not the word of God. Those who say that, that faith without works is dead and believe that's for us, they, they don't believe Paul's doctrine at all. They don't believe, they don't believe the, the truth about the gospel. But I believe the whole Bible is true, but it's not, not all for me. You understand? You've got to know who it's right for. We, we, we always believe this about the Old Testament. We, we said we don't have to be circumcised. We always believe that. See, we read Leviticus and all the washings and all that. We never did take that to heart, did we? Because in the Old Testament, New Testament didn't start till Jesus was raised from the dead, y'all. He rose from the dead. That's when the New Testament kicked in. Amen. He died for our sins. It's a promise. It's a promise that he died for our sins. God's promising you that Jesus, that God's not, God's not going to be mad at you anymore. He got over his anger. Glory to God when Jesus died. Put up, put up uh, Isaiah 54, verse 9. A shocking verse here. A verse that shocks to me when I read it. I still read it, I read it several times a week just to be shocked. <laughs> Feel alive. Read this, Pastor Burke. Read it slowly so I can interrupt rudely. <laughs> I like that interruption. <clears throat> I'm going to start doing this from now on. I'm going Amen. to have somebody read it, and that way I can it, yell and scream good. and interrupt yeah, them that way. Yeah, good. that's it. I'm going to do it. <clears throat> For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. What's he talking about? What is waters of Noah? What's he talking about? What is this? It's like the waters of Noah. He's talking about this covenant that he made with Israel. Yeah. In Isaiah 53, it was about Jesus dying for their sins. You see that? He's talking about that covenant, the new covenant. Read on. 
For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. Stop right there. How many of you believe that there will never be another worldwide cataclysmic flood? What, what makes you so sure? Word. How do you know? You see the rainbow every now and then, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. rainbow says so. The rainbow says so. That rainbow come from heaven. It's around the throne of God. You read the book of Revelation. That rainbow is around, around God's throne. Every now and then he's tasting down in the clouds for us to see. I'm still holding to my word. I'm still true to my come word. On. God's still true to his word. He'll, he'll never be angry. Look what, if you believe the first half of that verse, let's see if you believe the second half of that verse. As I have sworn. So I have sworn that I will not be wroth with you nor rebuke you. I'm not going to be mad, mad at you. Once you get in this covenant, I'm never going to be mad at you again, God said. Where did the angry, angry God go? He got satisfied at the Calvary 2,000 years ago. I wish the preachers could, could get a hold of this and preach the good news for a change. Come on. Preach the gospel for Come a on. change. One young man got on fire for God, ran out into the streets and grabbed a guy and started trying to tell him about Jesus. The guy standing there and looking at him. He said, man, have you heard the news? He said, what news? He said, well... It's the good news. He said, what good news? He said, well, you don't know you're going to hell? He said, that's the good news. What's the bad news? <laughs> that's kind of where we used to start, you know, preaching about hell. The good news is Christ died for our sins. This is a promise from God that he put all your sins on Jesus. And he was buried. That means he took him far away, took him all the way to hell. He rose again the third day. Which means he triumphed over everything and sits at the right hand of God now, acting like you there, being there for you. That's what, that's what intercession means, intercedes for us. He's not praying for us all the time. It's not what, he, what it means. His presence there is intercession enough. It says God sees you through him now. God sees you through him. You're in Christ. That's what it means. Amen. That's what it means. He's the last Adam. What Jesus did when he came, he didn't just deal with our sins. He went back and dealt with Adam's sins. Back and dealt with Adam's sins. It's like God can't even remember what Adam did wrong in the garden. Glory to God. You know, it never says anything bad in the New Covenant about what Moses did. I read the book of Hebrews 11. You just read it sometimes. It says, Moses, who did not want to be counted with the... the, the uh, who did not want to enjoy sin for a season, you know, left Egypt, forsook Egypt and all that. That's not the story at all. I read the book of Exodus, that didn't look like that story at all. It said he murdered a guy and ran for his life. That's what it says in Exodus, tells the straight up story. In the New Covenant, God can't remember that because God cannot remember your sin. He, he cannot remember your sin. He did not remember Moses killing that guy. He didn't have it in his mind. Amen. I'm coming. <laughs> Let me show you something interesting about the way the Jews were in Paul's day. Read Acts 21, verse 17. We're going to read a whole bunch. You see how I do? I read, read big pieces of the scriptures to, to get one point, to get one idea. Getting one, one little verse here and one little verse there, you're, you're an idiot. Read, read, read the Bible big. You know what I mean? Get your ideas from the Bible by reading a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of the scriptures. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Anybody, you may say anything if you want to. 
You can make it say anything you want to, just be reading a little sliver here and a little sliver over there. That's what most, most preachers do, dumbos. Miss <laughs> Ann doesn't like me to call people names, but I love it. <laughs> really enjoy that a lot. Read Acts 21, 17. The older I get, the more, the more I don't care. And when we were come to Jerusalem... This is Paul talking. Well, it was actually Luke talking. But he's talking about his, he was with, with Paul. Read on. Yeah. The brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. Yeah. And when they had heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. Hang on. The word thousands is a, is a Greek word, myriads. It does not mean thousands. It means tens of thousands. So Jerusalem was full, full of Jewish Christians. It was overrun by Christianity at this time. The, disciple, the, 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 the first disciples had done their job, had won most of the city to Jesus. You didn't know this, but that's what this says. Myriads, tens of thousands. Okay? Read on. They are informed of thee. And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought to circumcise their children. Oh, not to circumcise. Uh, not to circumcise their children neither to walk after the customs. Well, see, that's not true. Paul did not do that. He didn't tell the Jews not to circumcise their children. But they're saying that he, he was teaching this to the, to the Gentiles, that they didn't have to. But they thought the Jews were taking up, you know. That's why James wrote his letter to the Jews out there in the same area where Paul was preaching. He just, he, he, by the way, he had just come from there when he came here. Okay, read on. What is, what is it, therefore? The multitude must needs come together. Okay, this, these myriads, he said, are going to come together. These that have heard about you, they're going to come together. There's going to be a multitude that come together because it's Pentecost. Paul was rushing to get back to Jerusalem for Pentecost. Pentecost is a feast of first fruits. Read on. For they will hear that thou art come. Do, therefore, this that we that we say to thee, we have four men which have a vow on them. Now he said, that, now listen, James, remember James said these were all believers, believing Jews, zealous of the, the law. Okay. Them take and purify thyself with them and be at charges with them that they may shave their heads and all may know that those things whereof they, are, they were informed concerning thee are nothing. How many of you Gentiles have ever done that? Shaved your head for, for, for a religious rite? What's the matter with you? Are you pagan or something? Yeah, you are. You're pagan in culture, but not pagan in your heart. Jewish in our heart, but pagan in our culture. That's why I don't mind Halloween and Christmas in my house. Come on. Uh, it's a pagan holiday. I've had people say that, you, 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 like, you like Halloween? I said, yeah, I like candy. <laughs> They said, you know, it's a pagan holiday. I said, well, I'm, I'm a pagan. So what else are you going to say? It's my culture. It has nothing to do with my God. 
It's my culture. Get out of my face. Get on. But that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. Why did Paul walk orderly and keep the law? Why did he still do that? Because he was a Jew, that gummit. He's a Jew. That's what Jews do. Even the guy that got this great revelation for us, he still kept the law. He was a Jew. That's what Jews do. You hear me? As touching the Gentiles, look at this. As touching the Gentiles which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing. Everybody say no such thing. No such thing. We don't don't, don't observe any such thing. The Gentiles, the, the Jews on the other hand, do. They're supposed to. Right here in the Bible. It's been here all along. You just didn't see it. Save only. Save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. Why? Because those are all parts of pagan worship. It's all happened in the worship of the pagan gods. He said, just separate yourselves from that. That's good enough. Well, it's pretty simple. Read on. Then Paul took them in, and the next day, purifying himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification. Paul is one that tells us we're already pure by our hearts, being by faith, you know, in Jesus. But here he is purifying himself. I don't know anything about that, because I'm a Gentile. I don't, know, I don't understand why he had to do that, but he did. He's a Jew. They have something we don't have. Everybody understand this? Yeah. Okay, read on. Until that an offering should be offered for everyone. It was a blood offering. That's why they had to wait for seven days if it's a blood offering. Read on. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews, which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him. Yeah. What Jews are these? These believing Jews. James told us who it was. I'm, I'm, I'm going to prove to you that they were all Christians too. Read on. Crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man. This is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place and further brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. For they, for they had seen before with him in the city, wherever that was, and an and Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple. Who are these people? Believing Jews. The believing Jews, yeah. Myriads of them. You know. And forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him. All t- these good Christians. <laughs> went about to kill Paul. <laughs> what makes them that way? They're zealous of the law. The law allows you to believe that I should not kill and kill it anyway. It does. That's what the law does for you. It makes you violent. You know. Tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating, they left beating upon them. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. Who are you and what have you done, man? So some cried one thing, some another. Among the multitude, and when he could not know the certainty for the tumult, he commanded him to be carried into the castle. 
And when he had come upon the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. Wow, these good Christian people. For the multitude of the people followed after crying, away with him. Away with him. Read on. And as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, May I speak unto thee? Who said, Canst thou speak Greek? He didn't know that Paul could speak Greek. Paul spoke Aramaic, Greek, Hebrew, whatever you want to know, he spoke it. Art art not thou that Egyptian which before (laughs) these days... Made an uproar. Were you going to say something? No. Oh, okay. Made an uproar and, and led us out into the wilderness, 4,000 men that were murderers. But Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, Cilicia a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with a hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying... Now read on to Acts chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. I want you to see this. Men, brethren, fathers, hear ye my, my difference... My defense. My defense, which I make now unto thee. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he said, I am verily a man which am Jew born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as you all are this day. He came to Gamaliel when he was 13 years old. Stayed there until he was 30, probably, under his tutelage. That means that Paul came from money. Paul came from great wealth. His family, his family was loaded. <laughs> Read on. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Read as on. also the high priest doth bear me witness and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. There we go. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus, about noon suddenly there shone from okay. heaven a great light. Y'all know that story, Paul's conversion story, okay? I'm going to skip on down. Pastor to verse 17. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem. Listen to me. All through that testimonial, the Jews are listening, aren't they? He says, Jesus spoke to me from heaven. I said, who are you, Lord? He said, Jesus of Nazareth. They're listening. He said to them that Jesus is God in heaven, talking down to him. They're all listening. They're all okay with this. Why? Because they're Christians. Any normal Jew would have been losing his mind over that. You saw a devil. You saw demons. That's all you, you're, you're of Satan himself. These, these people didn't do that because they're, they're all saved. They all love Jesus too. They hear Paul talking about it. They say, no, I, I like this. I like this. This is good. Keep on talking to us. Okay? Read on. And it came to pass that when I was coming into Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple. After three years, 
three years he stayed in Damascus to see that download that we'd been talking about this morning. He said I was in a trance and saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. This is Jesus talking to him. Read on. And I said, Lord, they know that I, impri- that I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And hang he said, on, Hang on. I want you to notice how Jesus answers this, this that he says. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Well, Jesus would not even talk to him about his, about his badness. Hmm. You know why? He forgot about it. Hmm. He forgot all about his sin. Jesus had no record of Paul ever sinning because he died for his sins. He was gone in Jesus' mind. He wouldn't even enter into that conversation with Paul. That's good right there. Really good. And he says, here's that last line again. He said, him, he said unto me, depart. For I will send thee far, far hence unto the Gentiles. They're, they're still listening right up, to, right up to this point. Everything Paul said about Jesus, they, they received it all until he said Gentiles. Look what it says there in verse 20, 22. And they gave him audience unto this word. What word? Gentiles. Hmm. Hmm. That's where the little lost their mind. They said, then they said, away with such a mad fellow from the earth, for he is not, he is not fit that he should live. Say what you want to about Jesus, buddy, but when he says the Gentiles, we're going to stone you to death. Mm-hmm. See that? See how different they, they saw themselves? Mm-hmm. If you don't see it that way, you never understand the Bible. You never understand what the Bible is really saying. The Bible is saying there's a message for you and there's a message for the Jew, and they're not the same message. The Jewish message is loaded with the law. Why? Well, because they were zealous of the law because... Exodus twelve seventeen says, And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in the same day, in the selfsame day, have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, shall you observe this day in your generations and by an ordinance forever. For how long? That law is forever for them. It never was for you, but it's forever for them. Right through their Christianity, they still have to keep the law. Why? Because the law makes a people a nation. Without laws, we would not be a nation here. Laws make you a nation. You understand that? There has to be a nation for the end time. I'm going to show you that. Leviticus says, concerning the law, forever throughout your generations, multiple times. It says it multiple times. Over and over throughout your generations. Forever, 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 forever. There's a Vast difference between New Testament and Old Testament. You know this, don't you? Yeah. Live like it then. Get lost in Paul's letters. Get the revelation of Paul so you can understand what's, what's yours. You can't understand what's yours unless you know what Paul said it was yours. Because Paul got his revelation straight from Jesus. Jesus gave it to him. He said, and nobody added anything to me. The apostles in, in Jerusalem didn't add anything to me. Jesus told me what to say, and I say it, okay? So 
But here's something interesting I want you to notice. The law came when? What book did the law start? Exodus. That means Genesis is not in the Old Testament. Ah. That's why Paul goes to Genesis to get all of our doctrine. We're back to Abraham to get our doctrine, not, not the law. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. It was before the law, predated, predated the law. Come on. So let me give you some, some divisions I want you to look at. I'm going to say, I'm going to overlay the three forms of worship in the Old Covenant with the New. I'm going to say that the Old Covenant under the tabernacle of Moses goes from Matthew to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, I mean Matthew to Acts chapter 9 is the tabernacle of Moses in the New Covenant. We said, it, we said it was all for our admonition, wasn't it? All for us. All as, as examples for us. And then the tabernacle of Moses was from, from Matthew 1 to Acts 9. And Paul got saved. Then uh, the tabernacle of David started in Acts chapter 10, we saw. That's when it first mentioned, wasn't it? First mentioned when the first Gentile came in. He said this is all about the tabernacle of David being restored. And then the, that's when the, the book of Acts turns into being all about Paul. Paul and Peter at first, but it, it becomes all about Paul for the rest of the book of Acts. And then comes Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, no, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Then, then what book is that? that? What comes after Philemon? Hebrews. Oh. So the tabernacle of David is in the middle. From Romans, from Acts chapter 10, to Philemon is the tabernacle of David. Got this? And then in the Temple of Solomon picks up with Hebrews, 1st, 2nd James, 1st, 2nd Peter, and on and on. Read the book of Revelation sometime. It's all about, although the, the, the churches of Europe, churches of of Asia Minor or, or have letters written to them. He did two things in that. First, two, chapters 2 and 3 are letters written to the Gentile churches, of course. But then everything shifts in chapter 4 and it all becomes Jewish. Everything about that book is Jewish. Everything about it is Jewish. Highly Jewish. But he specifically points out that he's writing this piece to the to the, to the Laodiceans, this piece to the Philadelphian church, this piece to the Colossians, not the Colossian church, but the Smyrna, all that. This piece to them, this piece to them. He has to point it out that this piece is to you, this piece is to you. You understand that? The, the, the Philippian church, the, the uh, Philadelphian church would not have read the, 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 the church to the, the church, the, the letter to the church of the Ephesians and said, this is for us, would they? No, they would not have. They'd read the one that was written to them. So that, that, that makes it very specific. So you have to be careful how you read the book of Re Revelation. Okay? I'm going to show you something else about that. Just a minute. The third thing is the Hebrews to Revelation is the Temple of Solomon. I believe that's when the rapture of the church is going to take place. At the end of the tabernacle of David. Because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is going to return to Israel. They're going to start preaching the law again. To get, get saved, you have to be circumcised and do all that. That's come, that day is coming, but it'll be after the church is out of here. 
Y'all will be in heaven looking over at the balcony. What's going on? I believe this with my whole heart, and I'll tell you why. Because First Thessalonians chapter 4, turn there. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Can y'all stand in some Bible reading tonight? First Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to make some comments along the way. Furthermore, verse 1. Then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. What's he talking about? The normal Christian life. That's what he's talking about right here. This is a normal Christian life. Nothing extraordinary about this at all. We don't. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Normal Christian life. Not in the lust of cons- what is that? concupiscence. Concupiscence? Yeah. E- even as the gen- I, I know you don't commit that, so that's why you don't know. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I've never committed it and never will. Because <laughs> I absolutely don't know what it is. Even as the Gentiles, which know not God. <clears throat> Man, this King James reading is rough. I'm I telling love you. it. Woo! You're getting an education. And you're growing up by I'm being baptized get, into King James. You got to get off that Toys R Us version. You're <laughs> <laughs> a grown up Bible. Oh, man. <clears throat> that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. <clears throat> what is this? New Testament Christianity, just normal Christianity. Read on. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Average, normal Christianity. He therefore that despiseth and despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Normal Christians. And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are, all, which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. You know. And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business. Get a business and do your own business. Mind your own business. Yeah. Normal Christian life. Hmm. You know. And to work with your own hands. Normal Christians work with their own hands. As we commanded you. That you may walk honestly toward them that are without. without outside of the covenant, that means. And that, you may have the, and that you may have lack of nothing. All right, right here he's going to change the gears. Right here he changes the gears. So he's talking about their future. Read what he says is going to be next. We're living a normal, normal Christian life. But, I, but I would not have you to be ignorant. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Wait a minute. Where's the mark of the beast? Where's the mark of the beast here? Where's the, where's the false prophet? Where's all that crap that happens in the Revelation? I say crap. 
I heard it. Of course, all that happens in Revelation. It's not here, is it? It's not here at all. You don't. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. We're going to be living our normal Christian life and be caught up. We don't. He says it more clearly than that. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Glory, hallelujah. I'm going to be shouting over this. It's Come good on. news. Brought you some good news. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Read on. Wherefore, comfort one another, uh, one another with these words. How many of you heard end time teaching you before? Did it comfort you? No, it never comforts you. It scares the hell out of the hell out of you, doesn't it? Doesn't it? This comforts you, doesn't it? That's what you're supposed to have. The reason that we don't know anything about the end times is because we're Gentiles, we think we know everything about the Bible. We think we know what Jesus was talking about when he talked to the Jews. We don't know anything about that. You take Daniel, Daniel and Revelation and put it in Paul's doctrine and you mess it all up. Take it like it says it. It's clear right here. It's just going to happen. Bang. You're going to be living your normal life. The trumpet's going to sound and off you go. Glory to God. You won't know anything about the mark of the beast. You won't know anything about any of that tribulation. It's not a part of your inheritance. You're God's family. You're God's family. He would not allow that for you. You're God's family. You're his own kids. Would you do that to your kids? If you could do something about it, would you do that to your kids? No, you wouldn't. You'd be, a, you'd be a monster if you did that to your kids. Amen. Just tell you what I believe. I don't care if you agree or not. I'm still right. Let me give you some. That was my punchline for you. I told you I was going to give you. There's more. I, I'm a st- student of hermeneutics. I love the interpretation of the Word of God, why it says what it says. I have a specialty in Pauline literature, you can tell. But uh, I want to give you a challenge here, starting the new year, to read the Bible right, okay? I'm going to give you a list of 66 books in order of importance to read this year. You ready? Number one. There, there are many laws of interpretation, laws of hermeneutics. One of them is, one of them is uh, scripture self-interpretation. Another one is precedence of first mention. Precedence of first mention. Another one is the law of the axiom. Axiom, A-X-I-O-M. But the fourth one is the law of Pauline precedence, Pauline superiority. Pauline superiority, Pauline precedence. Call different things in different circles. I like Pauline precedence, Pauline superiority. Paul's word is superior to all other words to you Gentiles. Remember that. So if, you t- if I put a Bible together today for you to read, the first book of that Bible would be Romans. Next book would be Galatians. Next book would be 1 and 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. I'm going to put this one in and it may shock you. I put Hebrews in there because it's Paul-like, but it's not Pauline. Paul did not write it, but somebody very close to Paul did. I believe it was Priscilla. I could give you my reasons for, for saying that. I know it wasn't Timothy. I know it wasn't Barnabas. Uh, it was likely a woman. 
That's why it doesn't have a name on it. Makes sense, doesn't it? And she knew the word of God, I'm telling you. She straightened out Apollos. She's a disciple of Paul, though. She followed Paul. She and her husband, Aquila. Her, his name is never mentioned without her name. He's getting honorable mention, obviously, because we don't know Peter's wife's name. We don't know Peter's wife's name. She's not, she's not getting honorable mention. So we know Priscilla's not getting honorable, honorable mention. Aquila's getting honorable mention. Mm-hmm. She was a powerhouse. So I put Hebrews in there behind 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Book of Acts is next. It's really important. Ephesians next. First and Second Timothy next. Philippians next. First, First Thessalonians, Colossians, Second, Second Thessalonians, Titus. Am I going too fast? Where to lose you? Colossians, and then Second Thessalonians. Titus, Philemon, the Gospel of John, Mark, Genesis, yeah, Genesis before Matthew, Matthew and Luke, 1 John, James, 1 and 2 Peter, Jude, Third John, Second John, in that order. In Isaiah, in the Psalms, or Psalms and Isaiah, either way, they're about the same. First and Second Samuel, the Revelation, the book of Revelation comes right after Second Samuel. Proverbs, and then all the remaining Old Testament writings that you choose. That's how I got it. You need to learn the Bible where it should be constructed. I don't believe it was put together right. Obviously, I don't believe it was put together right. I believe it's all the Word of God. I, I accepted all of the Word of God, of course. But I think the, the writers, the early church fathers who put it together messed it up. Paul should have been superior in his placement of it. Should have been first. My opinion. I don't care if you don't, don't agree. Amen. There's another, another law. And since I gave you those laws, I'm going to give you the law of context. When you, when you look at something in the Word of God, look at it for context. What is it saying in, 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 in its setting? That's why we read so much scripture today, give you context. You understand? The last thing is consideration of the writer's audience. You've got to consider the audience when you read the, the book. Who's this saying this to? You can have all the, all the, all the scriptures that, that you want in your life. You can read Leviticus if you want to. I get lost in the letters of Paul. I can't get out. Can't get out of there. Because I heard those words in Galatians 1, 8 and 9. What, you remember that this morning, what we said? Paul said, if you preach anything other than what I taught you, let them go to the hell. I don't want to go to hell. I want to listen to what Paul says. You hear me? Hell with you. That's what one, one translation says. So let them be accursed if they preach anything other than what I preach. So let me, let me test you again now. 
Faith without works is righteousness. righteousness. There you go. Faith without works is righteousness to us. It's dead without to the Jew, but to us, faith without works is righteousness. All right, let's pray together. Now, my father, I know I've laid a lot on him tonight, this, this morning and tonight. I pray in Jesus' name that you will help us understand what was said in the spirit in which it was said. Lay this on their hearts thick, Lord. Let them see how the book of James is a wonderful book, but it has things in it that are not for us. Let them see that Paul's ministry and doctrine is, is superior for all of us in this new covenant. Let them see it, Father. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ as Paul taught us to pray in Jesus' name. Let it be a rest upon them that they wake up in the night saying, oh my God, I see it, I see it, I see it. I see it, Lord, I see it. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when you get on this. All your, all your confusion is going to go away. You'll say, I see it and I understand what the Bible means. I understand the Bible now. I've had more than one people, I've had lots of people tell me, I never understood it. I, I read the contradictions. Everybody said there's no, no contradictions in the Bible, they'd say. Well, I see them right here. Right here, this is a contradiction. They said, no, no contradiction in the Bible. Yeah, there are. If you think, if you think it all has one audience, it has lots of audiences, it has two primary audiences, who are they? Jews and Gentiles. I love you all very much. God bless you.